0: A podcast one production.
1: So you arrive to work on Monday morning. You notice that all your machines have come up with the crypto logo screen lock. You have an email on your phone advising that all your information is in the hands of some evil entity and you're basically shitting your pants, what do you do about this? What do you do about this, Fergus? In your experience as Chief of Cyber Risk, what are the next steps we'd take after
0: something like this actually happens? Depends whether or not you've got an incident response plan as to what the next steps are that you take from there, bastion. Most companies don't have an incident response plan, so what a lot of companies tend to do when, they, when this situation happens is that they run around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what they're going to do now the thing with the crypto locker for example this is just one example of something that can happen to you no one can access their files so the business has been rendered completely useless it can't operate. so what tends to happen is that people tend to ring their uh, whoever their IT service provider is. Now IT service providers uh, in the in the majority are not security experts. So they're not information security experts. So they might try and help. They might give you some advice. Uh, in the case of this particular one, often the only thing you can do, you know, you've got a choice to make as to whether or not you've restored a backup or whether you um, pay the ransom. So I'll throw a curveball in there. The, the backups are uh, crypto-locked as well. Yeah. Or you don't have any. <laughs> or you don't have any. We see that a lot. Because you effectively don't have any. Well, then you've got some serious decisions to make. And this is, again, what needs to be in the incident response plan. So... A business who handles it sensibly would immediately form, put together their crisis management team. So you're a small company of five people. Your crisis management team will probably be the CEO and you're whoever does the most IT administration. So you formulate a team. Uh, and once you've formulated a team, you've got some decisions to make. And they have to be informed decisions and they can't just be off-the-cuff decision. In the case of CryptoLocker, do we go back to backup? We don't have any backups. Okay, so that option's out. Do we pay the ransom? So what about
1: some of the examples where we've seen uh, poor old uh, mums and dads businesses who actually do pay the ransom? You know, it's, they're reasonable prices. When Bitcoin was around you know, $1,500, it generally would be one Bitcoin. Now it's a percentage of a Bitcoin, but still somewhere between the 1500 and say $8,000 per ransom. I've seen a few examples recently where they've paid these things and then the FBI over in America have gone down and shut down these servers before
0: the keys returned. What do we do then? (laughs) You're all doom and gloom today. Um, What happens then is, uh, well, you're in trouble. You're in very much trouble. You know, and paying the ransom is very common in the States, Mm. Australians don't like to pay ransom. I don't know if it's got something to do with our history, but we don't like to pay ransom. Um, And people pay ransom in the States. Now, they say the scariest statistic, less than a third of people who pay the ransom actually get the decryption key, and that's effective. Your chances are pretty slim.
1: I think the point that I'm trying to make is, whilst in this episode we're talking about we've been hacked, what the hell do we do? I'm really trying to drum in the idea that you need to think about the potential of you being hacked before you are actually hacked. So I've given an example there, which we have seen in the real world, everything from mums and dad businesses right up to quite mature businesses. They have had a crypto locker virus, which is, for those of you who don't know, the uh, virus or an executable uh, enters your network via email or a USB key or click link on a browser and essentially encrypts all your files across your network. And then you have to pay a ransom to unencrypt your files. And as Fergus said, one in three businesses are getting these decryption files and getting their files back. So if you don't have a backup, if your backups aren't disconnected from your normal network and you happen to be hit by crypto and you can't get your files, the impact to your business is going to be huge. You're going to lose every piece of data within your business. So I stress you need to think about this before the event happens. And if you haven't done so already, listen to uh, episode four. where We talk about preparing for a hack or preparing
0: for a cyber incident. A couple of things I'll add on to that, Bastion. So say you pay the ransom. So say you're an organisation that pays the ransom and you're familiar with the fact that on the dark web, uh, which is the sort of criminal worldwide web that's not visible from the normal worldwide web, uh, that there are lists of companies that are soft targets the sort of companies that will pay the ransom. So you get hit once, organised crime is going to potentially come after you again. And just before we move on to what we do to fix the problem, I just want to talk about an example of a company, small to medium business in South Australia. And I get a phone call just a couple of years ago and I get a phone call from them. And uh, the guy was quite distraught and uh, told me that he could be received a crypto locker demand for $3,000 in Bitcoin or something like that. And And I said to him, well... You've got two options. You pay the ransom or you go back to backup. And he goes, well, there's a problem with the backups. He said that they'd implemented this whiz-bang backup system that backed up everything every half hour. And I said, well, you're in a very good state. And he said, well, no, because the folder, when we configured it, the folder that contains all of our IP was not on the backup list. So he'd lost a year's worth of IP, and it's a manufacturing company.
1: So again, we go back to our, our kind of overarching point here. You've got to decide what's important to your business, define the criticality of your data and make sure it's protected with various controls. And one particular control might be a backup. So you are a an organization who has taken some preliminary steps and for some reason you've been hacked and whether that be CryptoLocker or, or some data's been stolen or a key logging device has been uh, detected on site or you know that a criminal organisation has been listening to your email conversation for the past six months. What are the steps from your point of view,
0: Fergus, that uh, any organisation should take after that event? Well, again, they need to think about this as a business crisis and start acting like they're in a crisis situation. I think that's the first step that needs to happen. Then it needs to be decided what resources should be brought in. Another question... Is to have a look and see whether you've got insurance, but then you need to put sort of some sort of response panel. So there's a couple of things that you're going to need to do. One is you're going to need to fix your problem, find out what's gone wrong, and fix the problem. Uh, and that could be an IT service provider. You might need to start looking at forensics if you if you can even be bothered to try and find out who perpetrated it. Start this process now. Uh, it's a very good idea if there's been if there's been records involved or records might have been lost, it's a very good idea to speak to a lawyer. Again, IT service providers and lawyers, not necessarily cyber risk and cyber security professionals, so make sure you're getting a lawyer who actually understands what the ramifications are in terms of notification, that kind of stuff. And then you've got uh, to think about how we do the communications. So how do we tell people what's happened? So say your business has gone down for two days before you managed to fix your crypto locker problem, you're going to have to explain to your customers the reason why that you couldn't do any business for them. So you need to be very, very careful about how you word those kind of things. And also, do we need to tell the regulator? I mentioned before there's 30 days before you have to notify the privacy commissioner. Do you notify before? Do you notify your customers before? Think about all of this kind of stuff. So these are the steps that, that, that need to that need to take place. And certainly any company that's 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 used our notifiable data breaches service will have all of those components sort of documented down in their incident response plan. So when they have an incident, they go, right, this is who we call, this is the order that we do it in, um, et cetera, et cetera.
1: When an organization is hacked, one of the things that is often misconstrued is they might find the attacker in the email system. But uh, when we get paid to attack organizations, especially if we are paid to target a specific organization. So this is in the case of a criminal organization has targeted your organization specifically, and they're trying to achieve a goal, whether that be take data, take money, extort you, whatever it may be. It's very unlikely that that uh, hacker has used one single means of attack. So Usually, we will have gained entry via the email system. We will have gained entry by talking to people over the phone. We will have gained information by social media. We would have gained information by dropping maybe USB keys around the place. There are multiple entry points, and it, you really must take the time after you've been hacked to really identify and check each system. And hopefully, you have a security incident event monitoring solution in place so you can forensically look back through the logs, forensically look back through notable behaviours. And when I say notable behaviours, it's little bizarre things that don't make sense when you add them up in, in a line. A hacker will exploit multiple little things that you've done incorrectly within your business, whether it might be someone picks up the phone and gives us a bit of too much information about someone being away sick that day. Okay, well, now we know that person's sick. Can we attack their laptop? Can we go and sit at their desk can we compromise their email system and talk to clients while we know they won't be monitoring that system? There's, there's multiple paths in, and after you've been attacked, you really must sit down and really pull it apart. And like you were saying, Fergus, it's probably not worthwhile trying to figure out where it came from, but try and figure out where your failure in the controls that you set up to prevent this, where the failure took place, and to pick up the correct controls and put the correct controls in place so it doesn't happen again whilst at the same time you're still trying to deal with and juggle the public perception, the legal side of things, the actual returning to business as usual, that might be more of an IT function, but it
0: really is a group of people working together to solve this problem of a cyber breach. Yeah, I'll just add in on that one a couple of things. So we've talked about organised crime. So let's say I'm a hacker, I'm an organised criminal and I've got access to someone's network. I've got a couple of choices here. One, I can do a smash and grab, or the other one is I can do a land and expand. So so getting yourself into multiple different parts of the network where you're looking for all sorts of things. And I'll I'll give you a real-life example, and this is actually one of the... This goes back quite a few years, and this happened to one of the large retail chains. I won't say who, large global retail chain. What happened was a hacker managed to hack into this easy-to-hack air conditioning company. So it was an HVAC company, so that means heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. And so they got in there, the hackers, and they started having a look around. And then they realized that this major retail chain was connected to them by a network connection, but they already had access to, and they had access directly into this retail chain's network. Now, what they did is very organized. They did their reconnaissance in and around the, uh, the retail chain's uh, network and they found the point of sale system. And what they did was they put something on the point of sale system uh, that allowed them to skim credit card details. They knew they were going to probably get busted for this. So what they did was they waited for Black Friday. So Black Friday is a day of sales um, in retail stores that they have every year. And so they wait until then so they can maximise the number of credit card details that they got. So the reason I'm using this example is just to sort of say they're very organised. They might be all over your network. You may have to do a very good job of the cleaning because if you've been hacked once, you're more than, I think it's five times likely to be hacked again, Bastion, something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Is is the rule of thumb that they use. So a bit of doom and gloom for you, but make sure that the people who are coming in and helping you to look for stuff know what they're doing in terms of security and being able to find the signs of infection and and that kind of stuff. And so because, look, I'll be honest with you, I don't see much forensic capabilities in small to medium businesses. I don't see a lot of logging. I don't see evidence of that. You get up to the bigger companies, and of course they've got all this, but small to medium businesses don't just, are not spending the money to get these kind kind of forensic tools. Which is a shame because they are
1: pretty affordable. So again, we'll cover off, you know, you've been hacked, what, what do you need to do? You need to remove the infection, you need to remove the hacker. I feel like there's four steps to everything, but here we go, four steps again. So removing the breach, removing the infection, removing the hacker is sort of step one. And a lot of these tasks are happening in parallel. A different team, perhaps a legal team, perhaps a PR team, perhaps even the HR team are involved in advising the organisation, advising your staff, advising the, the people who've been impacted on the damage. Thirdly, and obviously happening at the same time, is restoring business-as-usual activities. And the fourth step, which is often critically missed by organizations, is having a look to see how this happened and preventing it from happening again in the future. Like you said, Fergus, once you've been hit once, you're five times more likely to be hit again because once you've been hit once, you're out there, your information's likely on the dark web. Other people are going to say, okay, let's go and try and hit these guys again. So prevent future attacks by really, and I hate to harp on, defining what's important to your business and really defining what controls are going to stop a hacker from entering your network and making sure those controls are effective and even monitoring the effectiveness of those controls using things like threat intelligence. And you said before, Fergus, that large businesses have somewhat uh, implemented these systems, sometimes not well, but there's some really cost-effective software and technology and consulting solutions out there that will nicely step into any SME any startup to solve this problem prevent this happening from in the first place or, if, or at the very least protect from the depth of attack you'd see if you had nothing in place
0: yeah I agree I, I think also what we do see is we see people people don't do anything about this and takes even some of the more basic steps you know that have been provided by the government uh, ASD Essential Eight is a, is a set of eight things that people should do to stop themselves from getting hacked. So people don't do anything, and then what tends to happen is that then they then they do all sorts of stuff and they overreact, uh, where they could have taken basic steps in advance. And that's again goes back to goes back to planning to your point, but also, you know, if we've been hacked. What the hell do we do? I, I I suggest that we all calm down. Is the first thing that happens. And then once we're calm, we can sit down and talk rationally about what our options are. There are organisations out there such as ourselves who can be very quickly on site to help you out and also provide advice on uh, what we've seen before, whether this is a real threat, whether it's an actual attack, whether you might be infected in other places. The advice is out there from from your security companies. That's an important point. If you're a small organisation
1: and you don't have the skill set to actually solve this problem, there are incident response teams ready and willing to help. We'll jump on a plane, we'll be in your business within a matter of hours and help you with those four steps, which is to remove, to advise,
0: to restore and prevent. Yeah. And you know that you can get your insurer to pay for it. And the insurers actually have have existing panels that are ready to go, that have actually got cast iron agreements with the insurance companies because it's in the insurance companies' interest to fix a problem quickly and cheaply. Yeah, agreed. So... What you're saying is we can essentially get out of this (laughs) scot-free.
1: No, not quite. (laughs) I guess another point to cover is sometimes hacks aren't even perpetrated by uh, cyber criminals. They're quite often accidentally uh, perpetrated by your internal staff. A good example of that is one of the big four banks and their uh, medical data privacy breach, which has been all over the media. They decided that it was not in their best interest to notify the Privacy Commissioner or the individuals that had been affected, and uh, it ended up being a huge media mess. It eventually came out anyway, it ended up costing this particular bank a significant amount of money, and really their reputation was uh, dragged through the mud. I mean, I guess uh, all the banks are having that problem at the moment, but uh, it's a kind of an example of a an internal hack, you would say, or internal misappropriation of data, which uh, led to some significant uh, loss of funds and a significant damage to reputation. So that's an example of a privacy breach that's not gone well. Fergus, have you got an example
0: of uh, one that has gone well? Yeah, sure. A couple of years ago, there was an incident with the, uh, with the Red Cross blood service here in Australia, whereby they have a, uh, a website where donors could go onto the website and enter their details as opposed to having to fill in a survey online as opposed to fill in a survey when you get to the blood donation van, et cetera. And there was an issue where it was found that that database was vulnerable. Obviously there's some sensitive information in there about blood type, sexual proclivities, these kind of things. And uh, about um, 3% of the Australian population were, uh, were impacted by this potential breach. What happened was that someone who found that the database was vulnerable, I called them a hacker with a heart of gold, contacted a security researcher by the name of Troy Hunt and he contacted the Red Cross and they immediately started to act. Now in the case of the Red Cross, they had cyber insurance and with the cyber insurance they had an incident response plan and everyone knew what they had to do. So what happened was, you know, the crisis management team came together, the... Um, Chairman and the CEO both signed a statement that uh, was put up on the website, and they SMSed every single affected person and notified the authorities. Now, because of that, and because of the Red Cross, but because of that, the uh, incident was handled quite well. The media, it was announced on a Friday, um, and by Monday or Tuesday, it had pretty much blown over. And that's an example of a well-handled incident and the reason that they they had a plan, they knew what to do, et cetera, and that's uh, how they minimised the brand and reputation damage and uh, I don't know that they churned many donors. Yeah, so
1: I think once you've been hacked, you need to prevent this from happening again and it really a good, strong look in the mirror, a good, strong, honest look in the mirror and have a look at yourself and go, do I have the things in place to prevent this from happening again? And you may not even be able to make that assessment yourself. You may need to get someone to come in and go, these are the data elements we hold. These are the compliances that we must adhere to. These are the fines we'll have to pay if we fail at this. This is the business interruption we'll have to fail. And you kind of get a risk matrix built up. And then once you've got that information, you can review the controls that need to be in place to prevent that. And for low-level data, it can be... Know, some fairly low-level controls, but for high-level data that's really going to have a severe impact to your business, we often see organisations just not taking it seriously enough, not implementing the correct controls. When they do that dance uh, with the devil of user interactivity or usability and then sometimes user frustration with two-factor authentication, they opt not to to implement two-factor authentication to keep their, their users happy but they put themselves
0: at huge risk there. You know, a couple of years ago, we had uh, Equifax had a very large breach, a very public, very large breach um, of people's uh, credit records. And uh, this this one this one upsets me because they hold records of people that don't even know that they've. Their, their records are held, because if someone does a credit check on you, like a bank does a credit check on you, then all of a sudden your records will appear on Equifax. And there's only a couple of these companies in the world, and this gets to another point. So all of a sudden, hundreds of millions of people's credit records, credit scores, were out in flying in the wind on the uh, on the dark web. We didn't really get an apology. I don't know what action they took internally to make sure it doesn't happen again, but they're still in business. And I know that uh, they're being supported because they're one of the only credit reference agencies in the world. So... You know, that's that's an interesting one in itself, uh, but you'd want to think that they are taking messages. You'd want to think that they would be punished for not looking after those records. Uh, and I just think that, you know, we really have to see that these things are impacting the individuals. In America, identity theft is absolutely rife due to data breaches. We've been the lucky country in Australia so far. We haven't seen as many happening, but uh, but it's coming. It's definitely coming. I mean, it's interesting when you say it's
1: coming, Fergus. Like, you know, we've seen... as In the last sort of three months, we've seen Speedrun get hacked, Australia Post, uh, Bank of Queensland, Kathmandu, Citrix, Melbourne Hospital, Coffee Meets Bagel, Honey, Toyota Australia, AMP, just to mention a few. I mean, we're kind of here and businesses that aren't waking up to this fact and they don't have the right things in place, they don't have the right technologies in place, they're not getting assistance from companies like us, we're out there, we're ready to help they're kind of asking for it. And it's surprising that these large organizations are getting hit. It's not surprising that these small and medium and even large enterprises within Australia are getting hit because we've just been ingrained with that she'll be right attitude. And we can't do that anymore. It has to be taken seriously now. We have to take steps to prevent ourselves from being hacked. You you as a business have a responsibility to your clients and the data that you hold to take it seriously and protect it. If you do have a breach, you have a responsibility to advise those individuals. And we just can't stress enough that uh, that she'll be right attitude just isn't going to cut it anymore. Cyber Hacker was brought to you by Podcast One and CTRL Group. Presented by me, Bastian Treptel, produced by Matt Dwyer, our very own Stephen Williams from CTRL Group, and a special thank you to Fergus Brooks. Hacking is real. People and organisations are being taken down every day. If you'd like some professional advice and assistance, go online to ctrlgroup.com.au and we'll help you.